Welcome to At Ease, a podcast for colored girls who fled corporate when six figures wasn't enough. Whether you decided to quietly quit, took a leap of faith, pursued your passion over a paycheck, or are building a side hustle, join me each week as we redefine success by reshaping our minds. I combine my lived experience and conversations with entrepreneurs and Black women to leverage thought work, to reconnect with our bodies, combat burnout, and build businesses. Welcome to season one, episode one of At Ease for colored girls who fled corporate when six figures wasn't enough. This episode is all about hustling. We can't opt out of hustle culture until we know how we got here. I'm thinking back to a little over a year ago when I received a care package from one of my good girlfriends. Inside, there was all types of stuff. Um, But the thing that stood out the most was a t-shirt that said, the always hustling sister. And that's what this episode is about. It's about how I became known as the hustler. It's about the circumstances and the thoughts that I created and the results that I had because of those thoughts. It's about my aha moment and how I shifted. I hope you enjoy. I believe I was a junior in high school. And I remember as a child, one of my dad's favorite pastimes being golf. Even though I never took up golf, one of the things that I love to do and my siblings love to do was go to the golf course with my dad and drive the golf cart. And so one day, junior year, my dad and my sister are on the golf course and my dad went blind. Um, I actually don't even know how they got home safely. This was long before there was a Uber or Lyft, but they did. I think my sister was around 10 or 11 at the time. Um, And it was a day that changed our lives forever. Um, We learned that my dad had a tumor Um, And he had to go into surgery immediately. He was out of work for months, recovering. And I just remember thinking about how scary it was. I honestly don't even remember ever seeing either of my parents being sick as a child. Not even a cold. Really never any type of illness. And so for this to be so extreme was a lot. And I remember my mom just being a complete boss in this moment. But the way she held herself together for us, for her children, and just carried herself with such ease and grace and composure was absolutely impressive. I watched her care for my dad and request help, even of me as the oldest, to step up Um, And it was really the first time that I also saw my dad in a vulnerable state. And it took time for him to work his way back to health, months. 
my dad worked in retail and at the time he was supposed to be opening a new store. And I remember overhearing murmurings of him being back in time for this grand opening, like putting pressure on himself to make sure he was there. And he did it. He went back possibly earlier than he should have to ensure that the grand opening was a success. And it was. And less than 12 months later, my dad was let go from that job. Growing up, I pretty much had a standard middle-class upbringing. We lived in a single family home. We went to good schools. I'm using air quotes, <laughs> good schools in our neighborhood. And I'm using those air quotes because good and bad schools are rooted in whiteness. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Um, and we were able to participate in extracurricular activities. Uh, my brother and I, we did Kung Fu. I took ice skating lessons. My sister did gymnastics. We took family vacations. And I remember at that time, things shifting significantly. I was already in high school. I had a job. I worked as a library page at the main branch, the main library branch in my town. I don't even know if those still exist. Do people still use the Dewey Decimal System? I don't know, but it was my job to sort books, put them away, help people find things. And I had my own money to spend on the things that I wanted and the things that I wanted to do. And I remember that following summer after he lost his job, it was the summer before my senior year of high school, having to save money to pay for cheer camp where I previously had not. Then I remember having the difficult conversation about where I was going to college. So for the most part, the conversation had always been, you can go wherever you want. We got it. You can go wherever you want. And even though that narrative didn't necessarily change, how wherever I wanted to go was going to be paid for, um, absolutely did. Um, so much changed from the canceling of those extras. And I remember thinking, wow, <laughs> all of this happened from one thing, one person's decision set off this domino effect. And I'm like, how can I make sure that this never happens to me? And what I came up with was always have a second job. <laughs> This had to happen because we didn't have enough jobs in our home, right? And so I took that and ran with it. When I was in college, I had work study my freshman year. I worked, uh, I worked in the dean of the school of business and it wasn't enough. I started shopping at thrift stores and selling clothes on eBay as well. Even when I had summer internships, I would work a 40 hour week paid internships at that, I would work a 40 hour week and then I would go do something else. One summer I was working at Express. That's back when they had those, the editors. Do they still have that? I don't know, but I had them in every color. <laughs> and another summer I had my internship and was a hostess at a restaurant. Even when I was in graduate school, I was a grad assistant received a stipend, got a discount on my tuition, and I was also a substitute teacher that first year. Second year, 
grad assistant again, and I got my, uh, I had a year long internship with the government. I graduated in 2009 during the recession when there weren't a whole bunch of jobs. And even while I was looking for full-time employment, I served Country Biscuits at Cracker Barrel and I worked admissions for a uh, for-profit university and found a way to make ends meet and still ended up doing all of my thrifting and selling on eBay. Fast forward to 2010 when I got my big girl job as my younger siblings used to call it and it still wasn't enough. I had a job, I had benefits, good benefits, and I became a Zumba instructor, teaching at gyms and churches, uh, also became a health coach, selling programs online. And even at one point, I was teaching as many as seven classes a week in addition to my full-time job. And at one point I was just so proud because I was such a hustler. I'm like, I'm a queen, queens have multiple streams. <laughs> I used to do a workshop called Queens Have Multiple Streams, which I still believe in. And yet we don't have to approach those streams from a place of fear. I remember always being told that most millionaires average seven streams of income. And I did, that's what I had. I wasn't a millionaire, but I had seven streams of income, seven streams that I had to work for every single day. I had to hustle for every single one of those streams and I I can't really recount them recount them all. Um but let's see, I had my full-time job as an HR specialist. At one point I was renting out spare bedrooms on Airbnb. I had the online programs, I taught the classes, the Zumba classes. I sold clothes. Now we had Poshmark, so I was selling clothes on there. Uh, I think that's five. I was working part-time doing enrollment for an organization that provided transformational coaching. And that's six, I don't remember what the other one was, but to say I was burnt out was an absolute understatement. I remember having a moment when it finally hit me that I was tired. And unfortunately for me, it took me to the point when I had kids where I literally could not run around anymore. I could not do the hustle and bustle. I just didn't have the time. I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the energy. And I still didn't want to give up. I'm like, you know, I still got to have these multiple streams. So how can I create them? How can I do less work? I still had this grind and hustle mentality behind it. And when I got the tool of thought work, I was like, damn, I'm tired. <laughs> Why am I choosing this? Why am I doing this to myself? How did I create this story? And then I sat down and I mean, this is tons of journaling. If you've ever heard of morning pages, this is something that I used to do on a regular basis. I don't do it as much anymore because my mornings look different, um, but it's just a stream of consciousness, consciousness where you're just writing. And so much came out around my burnout when I went back to my junior year of high school, that the story that I made up was that my life was changed because my dad had one job. And if I don't want my life to shift like this in the future, I have to have more than one. 
I will never be caught with just one stream of income. And what I realized from journaling is that a lot of my belief went back to my junior year of high school. That the story that I made up was that life changed because my dad had one job. And if I don't want my life to shift like this in the future, I gotta hustle. I have to have multiple streams. I will never be caught with just one stream of income. And when I realize it was coming from a place of fear. I didn't say I love doing these things. I'm passionate about them. I was afraid of being broke. I was afraid of not being able to do the things that I wanted to do. I was afraid of sacrifice. I was afraid I would, wouldn't be able to pivot or readjust or recover, which is wild because of a couple things. One, we didn't just have one stream of income. That wasn't actually true. It was a belief right? It was the little bit that I knew as a child in my home. And my dad absolutely recovered. He started a whole new career, a great career, and he retired from it. A career that didn't have him leaving on holidays to go check in at the store. A career that gave him weekends off where he could leave his work at work where he could show up for school events, where he could rest, where he could have a better balance of career and life. I had to put on a different pair of glasses and allow myself to see the situation from a place of love. And what does seeing it from a place of love offer me? It offers me gratitude for the job that I have, to acknowledge that I love to dance, that this is a passion that I want to share with the world. I love thrifting. Thrifting is something that I picked up during that time because I didn't want to spend my money on expensive clothes. That helped me cultivate my style to have pieces that everyone else didn't have. Doing things from a place of love is empowering. It's forwarding. Doing it from a place of fear does not feel good. It feels like I have to versus I get to. When did you first learn to hustle? Are you hustling from a place of fear and scarcity or a place of love and abundance? I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on IG. I'm at Kristen.Bab or on LinkedIn by the same name. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you hear, please leave me a five-star review and share with a friend. I hope to see you back here next week for another episode. And until then, at ease.